It might be hard to remember today, but in the 1980s and 90s, New Mexico's reservoirs were doing pretty well. That started to change drastically in the 2000s. With year after year of drought and temperatures rising, in 2008, two water districts, one in Texas and one in New Mexico, worried about what they saw happening at Elephant Butte Reservoir. In cooperation with the federal government, they came up with an agreement to share water during dry times. But the states of New Mexico and Texas weren't actually a part of that agreement. And former Attorney General here in New Mexico, Gary King, sued the federal government, saying too much of the Rio Grande's water was going to Texas. Texas disagreed and then alleged that by allowing farmers to pump groundwater connected to the Rio Grande, New Mexico had been shortchanging Texas under the Rio Grande Compact of 1938. When Texas sued New Mexico and our upstream neighbor Colorado, we all landed in the Supreme Court. That expensive and stressful legal battle has gone on for years. Now, the three states say they've come up with a plan to move forward. And recently, federal judge Michael Malloy, he's what's called the special master on the case, he issued an order giving that settlement the green light. He also is recommending that the Supreme Court do the same, though the federal government hasn't agreed to the plan. So to help us understand what is going on, I recently spoke with water attorney Adrian Oglesby. He directs the Utten Center at the UNM Law School. Adrian Oglesby, thanks for being with me today. Yeah, it's great to see you, Laura. It's been a while. Thank you. Yeah. So New Mexico is celebrating Judge Malloy's decision, but the federal government hasn't actually signed on yet. Does that matter? It does, yeah. It, it does for, for a number of reasons. Um, the first thing, though, to keep in mind is that um, this is a case between the states in the Supreme Court. And when the states have arguments directly between themselves, the Supreme Court has what they call original jurisdiction. They have a, an exclusive jurisdiction over the fights between the states. Um, in this case, uh, we've got this interesting situation where the, the two main antagonists, uh, Texas and New Mexico, um, are now arm in arm in front of the Supreme Court saying, we're in agreement about something. The United States intervened in this case, and when they intervened, um, Texas in particular was very particular, saying we're, we're happy to have them in the room, but we want to limit this to questions about interpretation of the compact. Um, the, the issues that the Bureau of Reclamation in the United States have are issues that could potentially be addressed by lower courts. And there are actually cases that have been stayed waiting for the Supreme Court decision um, where the reclamation could return and have their issues addressed. So that's sort of the substance of the question that, you, that you've asked. The, the procedural impact is that um, the Supreme Court, um, if they decide not to just accept the special master's recommendation as is, uh, may decide to have a trial uh, and hear the United States objections. And I, I suspect that's going to be likely. That pushes out the time frame a little bit. So if, if that's the case, I expect you know, we may see a decision from the Supreme Court considering the U.S.'s um, uh, concerns sometime mid-2024. Wow, okay, so we yeah. still have a ways to go. A little bit, yeah, <laughs> but, but um, that's pretty fast in Supreme Court world. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. so if there were a decision or if there, the settlement as it's sort of been negotiated now were, mm -hmm. 
were set into place, what kinds of things do you think would change on the ground? Well, the, the, main, the, uh, the main impact is going to be that historically we have um, had one delivery point for our water to Texas, and that's the Elephant Butte uh, Reservoir, which is in New Mexico, way well above the Texas state line. Um, so the, the notion was we would deliver to that reservoir and then the water would be split 57% to the New Mexicans below, 43% to the Texans below. Um, but uh, given the uh, a alleged overuse of water by New Mexico, um, Texas now wants to have a um, gauging station right at the state line. So we'll have two delivery points. Um, we'll continue to deliver to Elephant Butte just as, as we've always done, the same rules apply. But now we also have a gauge uh, there right above uh, the Texas state line um, where they will also be measuring to make sure we get sufficient water to, to meet Texas's um, apportionment. And so why do you think New Mexicans and not just farmers or cities in the mm -hmm. South, like why should anybody in New Mexico care about this? Well, it, it, it's our obligation. Um, the, the obligations under the compact are, are, are held by all New Mexicans. Um, it's not just the farmers who, who have to deliver the water. And so um, if there was a call to, to deliver a lot more water, um, that would potentially come from not only the lower Rio Grande, but potentially the middle Rio Grande and other, other places along the river. Um, it, moreover, the, 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 the compact is, is an agreement. It's a, it's, it's a contract of sorts. And um, you know, we as New Mexicans should stand by our word. Right. Yeah. So there's a, a long history to this lawsuit, but um, I know oftentimes New Mexicans see water issues in the state as um, Texans stealing our water, taking right. our water. Right. Is this lawsuit an example of something like that, or is there a deeper issue? Well, it, it, it's, it's important to, to remember that the, the allegations here were, were the, was that New Mexico was the one stealing water, and of course, New Mexico made counterclaims that said, no, te Texas is also pumping the heck out of groundwater, and that's impacting us as well, and there was back and forth on that issue. Um, but uh, in reality, if you go down uh, to, to the, the southern part of, of the Rio Grande project, as we call it, the, the, the two irrigation districts, Elephant Butte Irrigation District and El Paso's number one irrigation district, they're, they're really, even though they're managed separately across the state lines, they're, they're really an interwoven system. Um, so we have places down there where, you know, obviously New Mexico is delivering water to Texans, but we also have places where Texas is delivering water to New Mexicans. Um, it's, it's really one big system down there. And so it's, it's not really useful to, to say, you know, Texans are the other. Um, you know, they are part of the family down there. Um, and the more we can cooperate, the better. Yeah. yeah. So do you think, you know, as, as the climate warms, as things get mm. drier and water challenges increase, do you think that we'll see more of these types of lawsuits? Or do you think people yeah. will remember or learn how to cooperate? Sure, sure. I, you know, I, yeah, as, as, as water supplies are reduced due to climate change, I'm certain we're going to see more of, of these kind of uh, disputes. I mean, things just get harder and harder, you know, the less water you have. Um, I in this particular case, I'm kind of optimistic. Um, uh, part of, um, you know, the problem, part of what got us here was, um, uh, to, to, to use the old phrase, a failure to communicate. Um, and, uh, you know, again, now we've got Texas and New Mexico and Colorado all, again, arm in arm in front of the, the, the Supreme Court. Um, they've worked out a good settlement. They're, um, you know, focused on getting it implemented. 
And some of the um, actions they're taking to, to make sure that New Mexico you know, can meet its, its obligations uh, include you know, heavy investments in conservation, um, developing programs where we can temporarily allow farmers to lease their water uh, to help us meet our obligations, including our obligations under the Endangered Species Act up here in the Middle Valley. Um, and uh, stormwater capture is something that, that folks are really heavily focusing on, um, you know, because with climate change, you know, we, we, we all are expecting these more freakish kind of storms. Um, and uh, that, you know, if we can monitor where those are coming in through our arroyos and side channels and capture those, um, that's gonna be a big help. Um, and then the last element that I think folks are, are really starting to think hard about, but it's gonna be a much thornier issue is um, utilizing deep brackish water and desalinating that to a point where it can be used, you know, either for agriculture or for other, other purposes. So do you think that this lawsuit, which was focused on the, the lower Rio Grande, do you think it holds any lessons or potential warnings for upstream, including here in the Middle Valley? Yeah, certainly, yeah. And, and um, you, you know, a lot of those relate to, to the, the items I just listed. You know, we have to communicate better. And, and um, you know, just recently there was a get-together, a tour of the river uh, that was organized by the Middle Rio Grande Conservancy District and the Elephant Butte Irrigation, Irrigation District. Not something that's happened historically. You know, you know we've, we've gotten those boards together for a lunch once in a while, but now they are talking about how their operations can complement one, one another and can assist with the state's obligations to Texas. Um, yeah. So just lastly, I'm curious, you're a water attorney, you've been yeah. working on these issues for a long time. Um, what do you think that, what do you really wish that New Mexicans um, better understood or or talked about more, mm -hmm. um, maybe particularly on the Rio Grande. Boy, that's a that's a great question. Um, it, and I should clarify, I was probably one of the, the few lawyers in the state who was not engaged right. in the Supreme Court case, which is probably why I can you know, talk to you a little more freely about it. Um, but but yeah, you know you know we all just have to constantly do better. Um, uh, you, you know, in, in this case, we were sort of trying to hold the line. You know, we, we, we were trying to maintain the existing agreement that, that we formulated, you know, back in 1938. Um, but yeah, climate change is upon us. I mean, <laughs> you felt how hot it is this summer, right? And um, we all know we're going to have less water and we're going to have, you know, more fires and you know, more challenges. So, um, you know, thinking ahead and preparing for that, you know, getting beyond the just how do we deal with today's problems is, is an obligation that falls on all of us, whether we're irrigating a half acre up in Tierra Maria or you're managing a district that you know serves 60,000 acres, um, we should all be thinking the same way. I, and one thing that encourages me is that you know 20 years ago, you you rarely heard people talking about the environment as a concern as part of their their water management. Now that's a a consistent line throughout. Um, and joined to that, of course, now is making sure we meet our obligations to Texas as well. Um, and, I, and I'm optimistic that we're going to do that. Um, uh, we'll see what the Supreme Court says, of course. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks, Adrian. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's been great to be here. Thank you, Laura.